everyone to another episode of Kindling the Hearth Fire. How is everyone? And to my listeners from the Northern Hemisphere, um, did you have a good solstice? I certainly had a great time at my protogos ritual, where we paid our rent to Mananan Maklir and ate wonderful dishes during our potluck afterwards. And to those in the Southern Hemisphere, did you have a good Yule? I'm always curious to know how thing how others do things where they're from. And that's actually how this podcast got started, that curiosity. Um, right now, you can find the podcast on Stitcher, iTunes, Podbean, Patreon, and on Facebook. Um, I would appreciate any and all views, especially the ones on iTunes, since those help um, people find us on iTunes, so I get, get more listeners and more people can listen in to this podcast. I also want to mention that the podcasts have been rated explicit on iTunes for some reason. So look out for that if you want to look us up there um, and you, you have filters up for your podcasts on there. On Patreon, I am in the process of setting up another level of patronage. And I also want to um, thank my first patron, Elizabeth. Thank you for... Um, helping support the podcast and um, I'm going to be getting in contact with you because one of the perks of having that level or the $5 level of patronage is that they can get either a shout out or they can help me host a episode of the podcast. Um, So I just need to get in contact with you to actually get that set up so you can come join me on the podcast or whatever you'd like to do for your patronage. Okay, let's see. Um, All the websites with links will be listed in the show notes as per usual. Um, Now on to the rest of the podcast. Uh, Last time we had a brief summary of who and what the fae or the fairies are or were and how they relate to the solstice. Um, This time I'm hoping to get back on track and discuss what the Irish Celts did during this time of year or around the beginning of August, and what some of them do continue to do even into the modern day. Um, Also known as Lamas, or the first harvest, um, the name of this festival as Lunasa is Irish Gaelic for commemoration of Lu. Um, Some authors give the meaning as the marriage of Lu, the gathering or feast of Lu. Um, The meaning remains basically the same. Um, Lu is the deity of Lunasa, and there's a feast. Although Lu gives his name to this festival, it is also associated with Lu's foster mother, who is said to have cleared the way for the introduction of agriculture in Ireland, thus linking Lunasa to the land and the harvest. The modern Irish Gaelic name for the month of August is Lunasa, one of the several historical sources for Lunasa is the early medieval Irish tale, The Wooing of Emir, which is part of the Ulster Cycle, if you want to take a look at that. Ulster Cycle. In the form we know it today, it was written in the 10th or 11th century CE. Um, but it is safe to assume that this um, tale has its roots in much older tales. It goes that the hero Kukulan was courting Emir, and he receives several tasks 
to fulfill. One of them being that he must go without sleep for one whole year. And as the challenge is given, by Amir herself in fact, she names the four major points of the Irish Celtic year, as they are also mentioned in other Irish sources. Um, one of these days is Lunasa, marking the beginning of fall. In modern times, this is usually the 1st of August, but in ancient Ireland, before the advent of the present calendar or the solar calendar, um, they ran on a lunar system, so it would be celebrated at the beginning of the lunar month closest to our August. Um, this year, the closest full moon happens to be on the 7th of August. Our protogrove here in California celebrates on or around the Saturday before the official date. Um, last year it was July 30th, and this year it's going to be the 29th, or today, when this podcast is coming out. Um, Lunasa is the first of the traditional harvest festivals, when the first of the crops were supposedly brought in and the seeds for the next year were placed into storage. But I found some sources saying that in Ireland especially, it would have been too early for the harvest to begin. In reality, this time of year would have been when they would have late summer storms come in and the crops may have been ruined by them because they were not quite ready for harvest and still quite fragile. And oddly enough, guess who is the god of storms? Um, Lou. <laughs> uh, Celtic gods and goddesses were a given to unpredictable temper tantrums, um, and you can see an example of this in the Tain, um, where Kukulin actually does a sort of, um, the way they describe it is kind of like a sort of hulking out when he gets angry, and he kills everyone in sight. And if you guys want to read that, it actually does say something to that effect. So he turns into the Hulk whenever he's angry. Um, Lou was no exception with this um, type of thing and was known to show his anger in violent um, storms that could wreck delicate crops just before they were gathered, especially during the um, late summer, um, early fall. Um, superstitions, especially about the weather, also played a prominent role during Lunasa. In um, County Limerick, for example, Nakferina Mountain is a weather portent for um, a wide area surrounding it. Um, if the peak looks blue and distant, a fine harvest was expected. Um, if it appeared green and close at hand, the worst was feared. Also, it was widely believed that if floods occur in May, flooding could be expected during the harvest. Um, this time of year was when people would make offerings to appease Lou in hopes that the storms would stop and the crops would, in fact, succeed. Um, regardless, whenever the harvest is ready, the grain is cut. Part of it goes into bread and eating, another part is stored away and used as seeds next spring. Thoughts about sacrifice, transformation, death, and rebirth are also a part of Lunasa. Um, during my research for um, Lunasa, I discovered a website that we had some recipes that could be made during this time of year to help celebrate it. And one of the recipes I found was a what, what they called a lovely Lunasa brew, or a tea you could make. 
Um, it's a very sweet and very spicy kind of tea, um, being that it has black pepper and cinnamon in it. Um, I'll list the, um, the link in the show notes so you can see the actual blog post for where this is at. But um, here's the recipe as it is listed on the website. Um, blend together the following herbs. Uh, five parts rubios, half a part fennel seeds, half a part cinnamon chips, a quarter to one-eighth part freshly ground pepper. Add one teaspoon to one cup of hot water. Then add two to three blackberries to each cup of tea and allow five to seven minutes to steep. You can adjust the level of spiciness by adding or reducing the amount of black pepper or omitting it all together. Want it more sweet? Add more fennel. No fresh berries available? That's a shame. The tea is still good without them, but really, find some berries if you can. You'll be set for some Lunasa feasting with a cuppa in your hands. Okay, that sounds like a really great way to help celebrate the season, bring in the season. Um, now, we have a new special segment of the show. I was actually just at the Festival of Eight Winds, and I got to talking with some folks about the virtue of hospitality and how it affects um, their lives and how it affects their practice. So I got talking with a couple of folks. Um, I got talking with um, Reverend Sharon Harborough from Sacramento Grove down here, and I also got talking with Reverend um, Kirk Thomas as well, and he was he's a our former archdruid. So I got to talking with them. Let's see what they have to say about hospitality. Okay, I'm the Reverend Kirk Thomas. Uh, I am the immediate past archdruid of ADF. Okay. Well, how long have you been in ADF? I joined in 2001, so okay. what would that be? 16 years. 16 years? Yeah, that yeah. sounds about right. Um, what is your, um, so we're talking about hospitality this time around, um, what is your definition of hospitality to start with? Well, this is a very deep subject. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I know you wrote a whole book on it. Yes, I did. Well, uh, on the reciprocity aspect. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing about religious reciprocity that includes hospitality as mm-hmm. a subset of it is that it's it's all about creating, maintaining, and fostering relationships. Relationships with the gods or spirits, relationships with other people, say. Mm-hmm. Um, and hospitality is what we run into the most with strangers or mm-hmm. even other people we don't know that well. I mean, very often, you know, we say, you know, you're family now, which means you have to go and get your own food. You have to get your own glass out of the thing. We're not going to wait on your hand and foot. But until that point, it is essential mm-hmm. and has been through the entire Indo-European spectrum. It is essential that you provide for your guest. Mm-hmm. And there are rules that about what the host's responsibilities are and what the guest's responsibilities are. Okay. Um, the host is responsible for providing food and drink, mm-hmm. maybe entertainment, and entertainment can mean as much as we're going to sit in front of the TV or we're going to have a great conversation. It doesn't have to be. Okay. You've got to get up and do a play or something. Okay. <laughs> and a safe place to sleep. Yeah, that's always important. That's very important. And what the guest is obligated to do is things like not mess with the women or mm-hmm. young men in the household. That's kind of how that 
That started the whole Troy issue. Oh, Troy boy, issue. did it ever. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. So he goes in there and he falls in love with her. And then, I mean, because the goddess, the one goddess gave her to him, essentially. Mm -hmm. But she didn't guarantee there wouldn't be a war. Yeah. And everybody dying in the end, you know, mm -hmm. one of those things. Um, the guest also does not make unreasonable demands on the host. Mm -hmm. And the guest doesn't stay too long. Doesn't that stay their welcome? Yeah, you do not overstay your welcome. Yeah, that's even in Habamal, I think. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. I think I the, the phrase that I've, I've learned usually is, you stay about as long as um, fish, I think. Oh, yeah. Fish and guests, <laughs> after three days, begin to stink. Yeah, that's what my grandmother used to say. Yes, I, I heard that one. That's a good one. That is a good one. That's a good one. So, but the thing about, then we have hospitality. There's another angle, though. That's mm -hmm. hospitality in your home. Yeah. But what about perfect strangers? Mm -hmm. You know, um, let's say you're putting on a Grove event and all these strangers show up. You have to treat them as though they're the gods in disguise. Yeah, you get There's, that a lot and you get that Greek and Roman. You also have that with Odin as well. Yes, you do. Um, the, the gods are in disguise to see if you're being pious because mm -hmm. hospitality is part of piety. Mm -hmm. It's about what we do. Remember, being orthopraxic is what we do. It's not what you believe. Yes. That counts. Yes. And hospitality is essential to that. Mm -hmm. And it's hard. Oh, oh yes. you got to be nice to people you don't necessarily even like. Mm -hmm. You know, these things happen. Yeah. And so you just, but you just have to do it. Mm -hmm. And it goes in reverse, too. Yes. If you're there at their place, mm -hmm. they've got to behave the same way. It's like a social contract? Yeah, it's part of the social contract. Yes, yes it is. Um, I, what I do like is some of those great stories about people who did not give good hospitality. Yes. You know, like Bress mm -hmm. in the um, Second Battle of Moitura and uh, the Cyclops mm -hmm. in the Odyssey. Yes. Who did not, who violated the laws of hospitality and boy, they got it in the end. Yes, they did. How do you, how do you bring this virtue into your personal practice? Um, By my practice, you mean my religious practice? Um, yes, that's... Okay. There's two levels to this. There's there's my personal relationships, mm -hmm. and then there's my corporate relationships. By that I mean when I do a high day, mm -hmm. you know, we are offering, we are forming relationship, even though I may be doing a lot of the talking, mm -hmm. or and the corporate offerings usually come from me. Mm -hmm. However, now that people are donating, I can buy these offerings from donated money, so it is from us, yes, not just from me, because mm -hmm. that is so important, you know. The, uh, the the offerings, the sacrifice, need to be of you. Yes. If they're not of you, you don't get any benefit from it. No. The gods won't recognize that. The person that, like when someone leaves some incense out for people to use, yes. unless someone's like paying for that or unless there's an exchange of some sort, it's of the person that's supplying the incense is really who's getting the benefit rather than... That is the fear. That yeah. is the, what it looks like to me. Mm-hmm. Um, now, technically, if I were supplying the incense, I could formally gift you with it, mm -hmm. and now it is of you. Yes. But I have to actually, I can't just sit it out there and say, oh yeah, by the way, you know, you can use it. Mm -hmm. That is not going to work. It, it has to be formally done. I think so. Yes. Just to, to, so that the, the, the Gustus contract is actually maintained. Mm -hmm. you got to be thinking about it. you got to be mindful of it. I guess yes. that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, you have to be aware of it. And everybody has to understand mm -hmm. what's happening. Okay. Um, and you've kind of explained how, you're, how um, you personally do it within a Grove context, but um, does your 
Does the grove that you're a part of have anything particular that they do when they when they? This is a little embarrassing. The grove that I'm a part of, I think I've been to one ritual. Oh dear. Yeah, because I yes, and they come to my stuff, and they're mm-hmm. in Seattle. It's a long way to go, mm-hmm. and so. Uh, you know, I'm very supportive of them as best I can, and they're very supportive of me. But they make offerings. I think incense is a common one. Okay. Um, okay. So, um, well, since you you have a grove that's a little bit further away, you'd probably more identify with maybe the solitary? Yes. A solitary who does high days. Yeah. Who's a priest. Okay, well, that that's part of um, part of the question here is how, how do you think a solitary would practice this um, hospitality, both in their practice and also with their... Right. Okay. It's actually very, it's not that different. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's harder for a solitary is that they've got to make it happen on their own. Mm-hmm. There's no group consensus. There's no group uh, decision. We're doing stuff and we can go along mm-hmm. with the ride or whatever. No, you got to make sure you do it yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, you hear all that uh, stuff about Samhain and Beltane pagans, you know. Yeah. Which is the same thing as Christmas and Easter Christians, you know. Yeah. I mean, people who just show up occasionally and don't really make a personal investment. And you know what? That's okay. Yeah. That, it is okay. That's okay. When you've got a group setting, you've got a lot of lay people that come for the, the social or just to get together with people of, of a like mind. That's right. You know, they just want to come and get a good blessing. You know? Yeah. That's it. As long as they're honest about it. They're... Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And they're not trying to, you know, take mm-hmm. stuff. You know, mm-hmm. um, they bring their own offerings. Yeah. Uh, when I put out my um, um, newsletter before each high day, I just make a list of suggested offerings for this particular one. Mm-hmm, so you know, they know what to bring. Yeah, so yeah, because it, it can be a little more difficult. And, and sometimes I just, it's my UPG of what would be a good offering or mm-hmm. experience I've had in the past of what is not a good offering for this guy. <laughs> I don't give Tarana champagne. Other people may be able to do that. <laughs> I cannot do that mm-hmm. because of what happened that time. But uh, he still likes his whiskey. What can I say? Yes, but so a solitary needs to get themselves to do this stuff. Um, something that is really helpful is a daily or weekly devotional. Mm-hmm. It's not a big hoo-ha right, you mm-hmm. know. It's just a little thing where you do where you mindfully make offerings to your spirit allies, whomever mm-hmm. they are. Yeah. And you don't have to receive a blessing back at that moment what you're doing is you're just fostering that relationship mm-hmm. and being mindful about it mm-hmm. I've, got, I've got my own person personal devotion that i do almost on a daily basis where i um i've got a whole thing about it on the other podcast but mm. i can go to detail about it but i've got i understand what that how, how important that is it really is yes. you've got to maintain build and maintain mm-hmm. foster these relationships or they will not last mm-hmm. just like with our friends if you don't give to your friends by that i don't mean stuff although you can do that too but i mean (laughs) love and attention and affection and support Mm -hmm. which is what we're supposed to do with our friends and family and Mm -hmm. you'll probably get it back you know make that circle Mm -hmm. and and it's the same thing with the spirits Mm -hmm. yeah okay all right well i think that's about all i need and that was very lovely and thank you so much for taking the time to do it oh you're very welcome all right i'm ash your host and um i've been in idf for up to like eight years now and I'm a member of the Protogove of the Valley Oak in Santa Clara, I think. And this is? I'm Reverend Sean Harbaugh. I'm from the Sierra Madrone Grove in Sacramento, California. Okay. How long have you been in ADF? 
Oh, that's a good question. I joined in 2003, so Maybe 14, 14 years? years. Yeah, so that's about right. Um, well, well, since we're going to be talking about hospitality, what is your definition of hospitality? It's a virtue of ADF, right? Yes. Uh, hospitality is the uh, it's a virtue that requires more than one person, and there's, mm -hmm. most of them only require yourself, but but hospitality requires more than one person. It requires a guest and a host. And everything that we do interaction-wise with other people is based on this whole notion of hospitality. So um, the expectation is the host will give their best and uh, that the guest will be appreciative. And that appreciative can be as simple as saying thank you. And there's, uh, there's a lot of ancient lore out there, that, especially if you look at Ireland, Mm -hmm. And um, most of the uh, Indo-European uh, uh, cultures, there was this expectation of, of hospitality. In, in Ireland, in fact, it was in law. Uh -huh. It was so important to them that in the brain laws, if you broke uh, the laws of hospitality that they had laid out, then there's specific rules mm -hmm. that uh, retribution would be acceptable by the offended party including, let's say, burning down their house. And that was the price that that was paid and nothing would be done to the offender. Okay. Um, is there is there some importance for, is this hospitality as important now as it is, as it was then? It is just as important now as it is then. And you see glimpses of it even in our society. And, and sadly enough in America, we've gotten away from all the intricacies of what the laws of hospitality or the virtue of hospitality but it's still there you look at hotels um, restaurants those are part of the hospitality industry mm -hmm. and if you go to a place that doesn't provide good service or they're mm -hmm. called inhospitable yeah so the word still has definite meaning even in our modern culture and um, in motels and hotels, I mean, it goes down to the original meaning of somebody coming at your door, a stranger, and you welcome them in and you give them a bed and a place to sleep. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a social contract, even on the basic level. A gift calls for a gift. If I invite you over to my house, then uh, my, the, expectation for, but the expectation would be for me to give you the best that I can provide mm -hmm. within, within my means. Within your means. So like if... Um when you mean within your means, you're like, if you don't exactly have a lot of money, but you're giving your best that you can, it doesn't mean you have to, like, you don't have to go up to the expectation of someone that has more money than you. You don't have to go up to their standards. It's what you can afford. Correct. Yeah. Okay. You give your best. Mm -hmm. And uh, and whatever that best is. Okay. And you are the determiner of what your best is, but you make the effort to give your best. Okay. And the guest, of course... Uh, the requirement is to be appreciative. Okay. Well, um, how do you practice this virtue in your, your own life, your own practice? Do you... um, absolutely. Hospitality. Um, I own a catering business, so we provide lots of food for lots of people, and um, quality control is extremely important. Um, it's always... It's, my expectation is to provide the best that we could provide, I, my family and I can provide to the guests that are enjoying our food. And 
in response, um, I can see the appreciation, and most times people say thank you, and they, okay. they, they give me a nod, and um, and that contract's fulfilled. And and the other way is my house. I have I invite people over all the time and okay. roll out the druid carpet for them. And okay, because I know that you um, hang out a lot in the hospitality suite up at um, Pantheacon. Yes, we do that too. I I spend most of my Pantheacon in that room, um, welcoming people. Mm -hmm. creating creating a, a welcome environment a safe place for people okay. to get away from the con and learn about druidry or just not learn about druidry and just hang out with us for a minute and chat and okay. eat some nibbles and have some have a beverage if we have something available and and do what we can to make them feel very comfortable and at home okay I'm, well that's how you do it personally but do you do have any recommendations for someone that's trying to bring this hospitality feeling of hospitality into their um, their grove of or their yeah into their grove in their grove yeah sure uh, we always we have two or three newcomers that uh, we haven't seen before at just about all of our rituals and it's it's always important that we have somebody that introduces ourselves to them and make them feel welcome mm -hmm. and to talk about what we do and and uh, put them a little bit at ease mm -hmm. because when you're going into a strange uh, environment with uh, in a ritual space, it's challenging as the as the as a newcomer. You know how it is when you don't know anybody and you're there and you got a bunch of strangers there. So mm -hmm. breaking the ice is important and making them feel welcome. Them. Exactly. Yes. And uh, yeah, it's it's always about making people feel welcome. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, you say this is a, a virtue that is about you and other people. How do you, how, um, I know that ADF has a lot of um, solitaries. Is it, I know it's about other people, but how would you um, recommend solitaries bring that into their own practice, maybe into their own life? Well, there's 1,350 some odd ADF members and 300 million people in the United States and about 6 billion worldwide. So, mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're a, we're a tiny atom in the in the the composite body of the earth mm -hmm. as ADF. So we practice it every day by showing our hospitality to others. Mm -hmm. It's not limited to just people in ADF or paganism. It's 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 everybody, okay. and those people can practice that by um, they go out to eat, and, and the server serves them some uh, a good a good meal, and uh, the gratuity, by the way. The root is that is the same root as gracious. Mm -hmm. You're gracious for the the amount of effort that they did. I mean, there's there's so many different ways it's already integrated into what we do every day that it's not difficult for an ADF solitary to um, practice hospitality to others. Okay, we did, we covered a, covered a lot where you're talking with other people. How would you um, integrate hospitality in your work with either the kindreds or um, with the deities? Whether it be devotional or full ADF core order ritual, uh, we enter into that space. The the kindreds, that's our extended family, mm -hmm. and we, again through offerings and sacrifices, we offer our best, and we expect uh, their graciousness in return. And in, in ritual space, it's their blessings in return. Their mm -hmm. their uh, 
their message to us. Their uh, through the through the uh, return flow in the waters of life, we get the uh, we get the, we ingest their blessings and we take it with us and we feel uh, connected to them. So in a, in a ritual space, that hospitality certainly uh, it's all about hospitality. The whole ritual. So just because they're unseen doesn't mean that you're alone. Mm-hmm. And a solitary the same way. If they're doing devotionals, uh, they're practicing hospitality with the kindreds. They're not alone. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for talking with me today. Of course. And... Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you. All right. Thank you, Kirk and Sean. I loved hearing how important hospitality is to your practice and daily life. All right. Well, next up, we have the calendar. Seeing what's coming up in the next couple months. Okay. And there's there's quite a few festivals that are going on in this next couple, next month. Um, the first one that's coming up on, let's see, it's the Pan-Pagan Festival, and it's called a Pan-Pagan Festival. Um, it's going on the 3rd through the 7th of August, and it's going to be in Monterey, Indiana, and their website for more information is on MidwestPaganCouncil.org backslash pp flocation.html or just go to the main website and I'm sure you'll find a link there where you can find more information and how to register and what's going on there. Now the next one um, is the Summerland Gathering. It's happening um, the 18th of August through the 21st and it's going to be going on in Ohio, in Yellow Springs, Ohio. And their website, if you want to get registered or see what's going on and find out more about the location, is at sixthnight.org. Really simple, sixthnight.org. Um, it's not spelled out sixth night, it's six th, the abbreviation for sixthnight.org. So, and once again, all links will be listed in the show notes in case you missed that. Okay, and um, next up is going to be um, the Beyond the Gates Festival, and that's um, coming up the 24th through the 27th of August, and it's going to be, again, at Trout Lake Abbey in Trout Lake, Washington, and the website is, once again, pretty simple. Um, it's beyondthegates.weebly.com if you want to find out how to register, what's going on, and where it's going to be located, more about that location. Okay, so that's what's happening in August. If you're going to any of these festivals, I hope you have a great time and I would love to hear how it went and what you did while there. Next up, we have um, the book review. And this time around, we're going to be reviewing a book I just picked up right after Eight Winds, so only about maybe a week or two ago. And it's written by, Reverend Kirk Thomas, a former Archdruid of ADF, and it's called Sacred Gifts. And here, let me get the title up for you so I can give you the correct one. Um, it is called... Um, it is called Sacred Gifts. Reciprocity and the Gods, and it's written by Reverend um, Kirk Thomas, and it is his first 
book that he's written by himself. He's actually co-authored a couple of other books, and they're listed on Amazon and other such websites if you want to take a look. But um, this particular one is, um, I thought it was appropriate for this particular podcast episode because we are talking about hospitality and how we can bring that into our own lives and how it fits into our spirituality and what exactly is it and this particular book is it covers um, reciprocity um, where it concerns us in the mundane world and also our spiritual connection with reciprocity with the gods as well and hospitality is a part of that um, very large topic and This book covers a very wide um, breadth of topics. Um, this is a very big topic. And um, it runs the gamut and it actually um, is very intriguing. I loved reading it. It had a lot of information. The bibliography was extensive. Um, the footnotes were fantastic. Um, and the latest copy he even went in, for the digital copy at least, he went in and actually added new information because someone commented on it. Um, I, haven't, I haven't read the older version, so I, all I've got is the newer version. Um, so I believe it's pretty much complete, or as complete as something of this nature can be, um, because it is a, such a large topic. There's a lot of information here. It's very interesting, intriguing. I loved reading it. There's a lot of um, personal examples of how reciprocity belongs in our everyday lives and how it belonged with, in the ancient lives, how important it was to the ancient cultures as well as in modern everyday life. It actually is very conversational, it's very easy to read, but it's also got very good scholarship um, as you can kind of see with the bibliography because it's quite extensive. Um, alongside the footnotes which are quite extensive. Um, it runs that balance really really well and Kirk was actually talking about during Eight Winds that he was worried that it'd be too boring and I just want to lay aside your fears Kirk it is not a boring book it's very scholarly but it is also very conversational and it's very interesting intriguing and I loved reading it and I would recommend it to anybody who wants to um, delve a little deeper and see what um, reciprocity and how it connects to everyday life and spirituality in general and see how they can bring it back into their own lives and how important it truly is. Um, anyway, so this book and it belongs on the bookshelf, not the bin. And I have it on Kindle format, but once I have enough funds, I'm actually going to order it in a physical form so I can actually put it on my bookshelf physically. Um, I bought it online over on Amazon for the Kindle. Um, it was about $4.99 to buy it on the Kindle format. Um, you can find it on Barnes & Noble as well. The paperback version on, on Amazon is $14.95. And once again, all the um, websites will be listed in the show notes so you can pick up your own copy. All right, wrapping up. I would like to first thank all of you for your submissions. And I would also especially like to thank Kirk Thomas and Sean Harbro, who you heard in the... Let's start all over. Um, all right. 
Wrapping up, I would like to first thank all of you for your submissions. I would especially like to thank Bonnie Landry, who you heard in the intro with Fireburn Bryce. I would also like to thank Reverend Kirk Thomas and Reverend Sean Harborough for sitting down with me and asking and taking the time to discuss how hospitality impacts both their spiritual and everyday lives. Um, we're getting ready to put the next podcast together here at Kindling of the Hearthfire, and if you have any ideas, celebrations, poems, songs, invocations, or anything else that you'd like to hear included in the podcast, please send them to kindlingthehearthfire at gmail.com. I would also love to see pictures of your celebrations. Either post them to the Facebook group or on Instagram with the um, hashtag KTH for Kindling the Hearthfire. Deadlines for submissions for the next podcast is September 8th. And tune in Saturday, September 15th for another episode of Kindling the Hearthfire. You can find our podcast on Stitcher, iTunes, Podbean, Patreon, and on Facebook. Be well, and may you continue to pray with a good fire.